Hello and welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. And today we are talking about managing email and maximizing productivity with our guest, Renee Michaud. Renee is also known as DJ Unity, a coach, facilitator, and multidisciplinary artist passionate about empowering creatives to fulfill their potential so they can live artistic, sustainable, and meaningful lives, thus enriching the lives of those who encounter them. She is a North Bay, Ontario native and member of the Algonquin First Nation community. Her holistic coaching approach recognizes the interconnectedness between creative capacity and physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being, as well as self-leadership and collaboration skills. The purpose that fuels her work as a coach and as an artist is improving mental health, social equality, and environmental sustainability. In order to manage many projects and clients, she must stay organized in her emails, priorities, and tasks. She's the founder of Unity Coaching and Creative Co., located on unceded Anishinaabe territory in Ottawa, Ontario. Renee lives in Chelsea, Quebec, but joins us today from her family home in North Bay, Ontario. Renee, welcome to the Career Builders Podcast. Hey, Peeves. Thanks for having me. Sorry for that long-winded bio. It's uh, interesting to hear it back, but uh, yeah, I do a lot of things, so thanks for having me. <laughs> We're excited you're here. So excited. And that long-winded bio of many different things really is kind of the inspiration behind this show around productivity, email management, which is something that I feel like a lot of our dear listeners may not necessarily think about in an intentional way very often. And we've, I know Lisa and I, we've both learned quite a bit from you on this topic. And so it's a pleasure to hear you again, kind of chat with us. So. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about your career journey so far? Yeah, absolutely. So currently, maybe I'll start in the present time and work my way backwards. I am uh, an entrepreneur and I have been for almost two years. And that came from um, a burning desire to go beyond my job description. So I you know, requested time away for a sabbatical to focus on creativity and focus on spirituality, which I felt I wanted to dig into more, but I needed more time. Hmm. And so um, it was turned down and I respect that decision. And I decided, you know what, I've got to spread my wings and do this. So I left, I quit. And um, that felt really right. Having been in that position for for nine years, I worked in communications and public relations. And uh, before that, uh, that was a nine year span. And before that, I was always working in communications and events and working with people. That was my background. And as a kid, I always had this entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I saw my dad was an entrepreneur and I had the lemonade stand. I did the babysitting. I did the house cleaning. And um, I realized that I really wanted to be around people. I wanted to be creative. I wanted freedom. And uh, that led me to what I'm doing now, which is creative coaching. So that's a bit about my journey so far. And there's so much more to say there, but that's the nutshell. Cool. So cool. And yeah. good for you for taking that time and realizing what was right for you in that, because that's not easy. Yeah, absolutely. Had to do it. Had to take the time to figure it out, kind of just coast, go with the flow of life. You know, I had some commitments, but I had a lot of time to just dig in and read and talk to people about things I was curious about. So hmm. cool. Yeah. Very insightful. So... Lisa and I, like I kind of hinted at a moment ago, we attended an online workshop that had you kind of as the featured facilitator around email management and productivity. Where does your passion or intention come from when it comes to this subject? Yeah, I am. 
I love making things efficient. There's something about efficiency that is so fulfilling to me. So, um, you know, if I have seven things to do in one day, I love ordering them in a way that will maximize my productivity. Because I do think that there's a way that you can order them that would slow you down, that mm -hmm. would take longer. Um, and of course, we see that at like the mass level, right? When you start having system change and system efficiencies. But at the personal level, I believe it's possible to uh, put things in order in a way that allows you to get things done and to not waste any energy is to use that energy really sort of really cleanly. Yeah. Hmm. So that's where it starts for me is just checking those things off of my to-do list in a day and helping other people do that too. So cool. So in terms of helping people to understand that, uh, an example is let's say I'm, I'm in my apartment and I've got to do the laundry, take out the recycling, I have to uh, go get some food. So that's just three things to keep it mm -hmm. simple, right? So which one do you do first? My brain will quickly look at this list and make a very logical, rational, time efficient approach. So I would think about like, how many trips do I have to make downstairs or in the elevator? So my laundry and my um, recycling are next to each other on the basement. Hmm. So I would automatically think, okay, duh, grab your recycling, grab your laundry, grab your purse, go down, drop off the laundry, then the recycling, which is right next to it. And then after that, you're already downstairs. So you can pop outside, grab groceries, come back, the laundry is done in 30 minutes, and you do the flip into the dryer, and then you go upstairs. So it's around thinking about like the domino effect of why A before B before C mm -hmm. and trying to find these little efficiencies, these little conveniences that make everything a lot more streamlined and flowy. Love it. Great example too. Oh, yeah. So why is that? Like, what are some of the benefits and maybe some of the hidden benefits that people get from having that flowiness? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So the, you know, the obvious ones are around time efficiency, getting more done with less time. The other thing too, I think is reflected in well-being. So a sense of not feeling scattered, like I have so much to do, but I have no order. And sometimes that puts people in a place of like freezing, like either flight or, or, or fright or freeze. And so by putting things in order on paper sometimes uh, or digitally, it gives you a roadmap either for your day or for your week. And you can do this planning for the year, right? What, what comes before the next thing? Um, so just giving us a sense of control, well-being, um, a groundedness instead of chaos and confusion. It's, it's bringing order and structure into our lives. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And when we talk specifically about email, I feel like that is a subject of anxiety for a lot of people. They have, however many hundreds of emails in their inbox or they get all this spam mail that they don't know what to do with. So what are some other benefits of having specifically your email in order that might help? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, moving that to emails now, what's interesting about that is it's very much in relation with other people. So your emails are not just yourself and your laundry and your recycling, but they really impact other people. And that means they impact your relationships and they impact also your perception in other people's eyes. So being uh, organized and efficient with your email, which means answering the question they asked in a clear and concise way, mm. as well as doing it on time or in a timely fashion, 
uh, builds trust with others. Mm. And it also increases your reputation for being someone who is dependable, reliable, and organized. And what that means for them is that their life is easier. Their life is smoother because they know that if they send you an email, they expect to hear back on time and with the information they sought in a way that doesn't require them to manage, follow up, to keep track. So uh, it really, it's a small thing that you do every day, being on top of your emails, but in the long run, it actually contributes to your character in the eyes of others. Hmm. Love that, that's such That's a great point. Yeah, Yeah. totally something that I think, I certainly wasn't thinking about when I was starting out in my career. I was sort of pretty focused on making sure I paid attention to emails, but not so much the why behind it. That's important. And I appreciate you weighing in on that. Yeah. And did you, did you find a moment in your career where you're like, Hey, I can be more strategic with my emails. Do either of you experience that? Definitely that. And I think that journey for me continues to this day. I think when I noticed someone who wasn't really very strong in the way that they structure their emails and their responses and sort of their reliability was not so great. That's when I realized, oh, there's some real real value in this for me if I step up. Mm. Yeah, and for me, um, in my past corporate life, I was very good at it. I had you know, rules, tasks, all that kind of stuff, very strategic and very organized. And then when I became an entrepreneur, it kind of went out the window and it's something mm. that I've been slowly coming back to over time of finding new systems and ways to, to automate and make things easier as I kind of go along. Mm, interesting. I'm curious, did you switch systems? Did you go from like Microsoft to Google or something? Like, yeah, what do you think happened? Exactly. Yeah. I went from using Outlook to using Gmail and it's, they're very different systems. And so I think it just was a big learning curve for me and I'm slowly getting there. You know, I'm not perfect, but <laughs> yeah, no, same for sure. I still struggle to meet some deadlines and get things done on time. Um, no one's perfect, but uh, I agree that uh, getting to know the system that you're using is so key. And so people are like, oh, that's so boring. I don't want to watch videos hmm. or I don't want to do a tutorial or, but you do it once and it serves you for the rest of your life or as long as you're in that system. So I agree. I learned a lot with Microsoft Outlook and I really used it at, uh, in my corporate work and then shifted to Gmail and had to learn it all over again. So I feel you, but it's worth the time. It's worth the time to learn it properly. It is. And I also found when I was in the corporate world, I had a a project manager who I was friends with and he was like, do you want me to spend five minutes showing you how to organize your email? And I learn really well from other people. So that for me was perfect. And now that I'm kind of on my own as an entrepreneur, it definitely takes longer for me to figure things out as opposed to somebody just being like, this is what you need to do. And me being able to ask questions. Yeah. I like that. That's another great strategy for learning It's just ask someone who's good at it in your office or in your environment, ask them their tricks and ask them to show you. I love that. Instead of maybe you're not into tutorials and maybe you don't like self-guided mm-hmm. learning. So that's a good, that's a good workaround. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Where do folks tend to struggle aside from maybe not knowing their system all that well when it comes to managing email? Yeah, for sure. Number one, I think of is junk. So um, working with people and just seeing the amount of emails that enter their inbox daily that don't get open, don't get read, stay there and just contribute to the chaos and to the clutter, right? It just takes away from the focus and the clarity, which is what you want to feel in life. 
So that's the number one thing I would say is for people to take time. Again, it's not that fun to like spring mm -hmm. clean, but it's so helpful to go in and unsubscribe to as much as you can and be ruthless and be honest with yourself. If it's an email where you're like, mm, I'm gonna read that sometime, just not today. And you've never opened any emails, uh, you know, just get rid of it and try to get over the fear of missing out, which I think keeps us uh, hooked on all of these different companies and services and coupons. And it's, uh, it's a lot of junk and uh, it takes away from our precious mental focus. And we have a limited amount of that every day. So yeah, de-junk folks, declutter, Mary Kondo, your space, your digital space. De-junk. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> cool. What are, aside from being ruthless with the spam button, what are some other go-to strategies and tactics you employ in order to get a better handle on your inbox? Yeah. Number one is only keeping actionable emails in your inbox. So, you know, if you have hundreds or thousands in your inbox, that is a flag. That means it's time to go in to process either delete if you never will go to it archive it if it's useful and you want to come back to it again be ruthless be honest with yourself uh, or if it's actionable leave it in your inbox and another cool option is the snooze option so if you hit snooze this is in gmail um, if you hit snooze and pick a day and a time that you will deal with it you're making a commitment to yourself that you're going to deal with it at this moment uh, then you know that it's going to get taken care of. It'll come back to you. It'll disappear from your inbox, but it will remind you. So it's kind of like a, you know, like a personal assistant option that is going to do the work for you and tell you when you need to do what. So I really like this news option. Another thing I use is the colored labels. And that helps me because as an entrepreneur, I manage a lot of projects and clients. So if I get a, an email from one client, I've set up a rule in Gmail that will automatically flag it as a certain color and uh, label. So I can quickly scan. Again, it's these like little micro efficiencies so that I can quickly scan, you know, uh, every day or a couple times a day to see where my uh, key projects and key clients are in my inbox. So I don't miss anything that is urgent and important. Um, how about y'all? Um, what's working for you? Yeah, I can think of one right off the bat that happened this week. So um, try not to be doing multiple things at once when you're sending an email because I thought I replied to Mike's email on Monday or on Sunday <laughs> and he very nicely followed up with me and I was like, what, you didn't get my email? Oh no, it's still sitting in my drafts. <laughs> yeah, draft move, nice. So really focusing and, you know, if I'm going to be in my email, I need to be in my email and paying attention to what I'm doing. I like that. Um, that reminds me of like having a million tabs open, which I know we all do at some point, including myself and how it really does create a sense of chaos, confusion, distraction, and what you're doing is just wasting time moving between tabs. So yeah, it could help you either stay in your emails with that tab open, or if I'm doing really creative work, and I don't want to be distracted by um, requests, I'll close my email inbox, close okay. that tab completely, and then I'm not distracted for, for that time. How about you, Mike? Yeah, so when I was in a Gmail environment, which I was in for probably six or seven years, I love to take advantage of a lot of the things that you mentioned in terms of the snooze, Renee. There was also something called, there's a Chrome plugin called um, Boomerang, 
that maybe you've heard of. It allows you to actually um, control either when you want to send an email or if you want to have a particular email response come back to you at a certain date. Like you can really push it out. It's not just like a three-day snooze. It's like, no, I need to see this in a month and on this day at this time. And you can actually program the email to come back to you at that point. Um, so that was a really awesome little tool that kept me very organized in terms of making sure I was on top of things that did need long-term follow-up. I mean, now I would say I basically have a subsection of my inbox and maybe the goal is to make this the section, the active section of my inbox where everything that is actionable lives. But that's something that I kind of learned from you. So I, I've definitely come a long way in terms of archiving and being a lot more ruthless. I think that for me and my journey is to like my next step in that is to actually continue to be even more, more tough on the de-junking. Nice. Nice. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Glad I'm driving that point home. Yeah. <laughs> There's a couple other cool options in, in Gmail as well, which are create a task and create uh, an event, both from an email. Mm -hmm. So again, another little efficiency, if you are talking to people and you want to set up a meeting and have that thread in there, you can choose create an, an, event from that email and everyone is already looped in. So the addresses are there, the email string is there, all you need to do is plug in a title and a location. So that's another little quickie. Or um, another great tip to stay organized is to use the task function in whatever email system you're using. So take an email, turn it into a task, and that is a huge thing. My task list is uh, sacred. It keeps me going. I organize things that I need to do by day. The priority is so important because otherwise you see a long list. There's always work to do. You could always be working, but you have to say enough is enough. I've done what I needed to do today because you checked off those daily boxes. So I'm huge on digital task lists personally. That's a good point. Yeah. You, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say your point around just how we can work all day, every day. That to me is a major, big picture career development kind of problem to tackle. And I, I think that is a really important point that if you know what the end of your day looks like, you can arrive at that point and move forward onto something else. But if, it, if there's no end goal, it's just like, oh, we're just gonna run the marathon until our legs fall off. <laughs> <laughs> Not balanced. No, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Agreed. I was just going to add around apps that you can use too. I use Asana, which is a great one. I know that people use app boards like Trello as well that can be helpful. Um, so there's lots of different things you can use in terms of productivity. Yes, project management, keeping, thing organ keeping things organized. I've uh, not impl uh, implemented either of those. I have heard of them. And so what's most important is not that there's a right answer. You just need to find what's mm -hmm. right for you. Like it's so important for people to experiment, try and see what works. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, and to be thoughtful about it. So yeah, thanks for having a conversation about this. This is not something we talk about ever in school, at work, around the dinner table. Where else are we supposed to talk about email management? Even though it's so key to being um, productive, creative, organized, dependable. Like if you're bad at emails, you're going to be limited in what you can accomplish. Unfortunately, if we really think about it. Facts. My yeah. goodness. So true. Yeah. Thinking about a real world example of someone and there. So email is really sort of something that has only been around in its current form for a couple of decades. It seems like it's been around for all of our lives, but there's a couple of generations of people that had to kind of adopt it much later 
and further on into their careers. And I just, I know that there are some people that have put the age and the ageism like completely aside and they've totally adopted and they're, they're still as productive now as they probably were 20, 30 years ago, but not sort of seizing the importance of it and becoming efficient. I can see how it's hurt some people in terms of their productivity long-term in their careers. Unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. And it seems to be such a simple, straightforward strategy, but without um, some guidance and some, you know, some self-reflection too, mm -hmm. looking at what is it that I'm doing and what's not working and even asking for feedback too. Like yeah. <laughs> how am I at emails or noticing, do people respond to you? Do they not try to get a sense of um, how people are interacting with you and if you could do better somehow we all can. Great point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So on the broader topic of productivity and sort of in line with what we've just been talking about, productivity is a pretty individual thing. So what does productivity mean in your own life? And you've kind of touched on it a little bit at the beginning, but if you can go into a little bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. There's like two things that come up for me here. One is again, taking things off the list. It's extremely fulfilling for me to finish something. I love finishing and wrapping things. Um, it's, you know, I think the fulfillment is related to the size of the task too, right? So I do like the quick and dirty, the easy, you know, send this email to that person or, you know, pay this person. That feels good. But the sense of accomplishment that comes with finishing and checking off a huge project is what drives me, right? Is um, is contribution. So for me, yeah, okay, sometimes my laundry is on my list and that's for me, but it's great to put things there and complete them that I know have an impact on someone's life. So aligning my to-do list with my purpose, with what's meaningful, with what was mentioned in my bio when I work on projects that are related to what I care about, which is basically reducing suffering, right? It's a form of um, trying to make the world a better place and emails part of that. It's actually a really <laughs> foundational part of that, which is so wild. So, um, it's all connected. Yeah. I had never thought of it that way. That's so inspiring. Seriously. I'm letting that sink in. Cool. Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause it, when you think of productivity in that way, it feels like even the laundry can have a purpose, right? It's still contributing to that. And so it shows you in a way what your priorities really are in terms of even self-care. Yeah, totally. Oh, for sure. And self-care is there. It's in my calendar. It's on my list. It's part of what I need to do to be in service to others. So um, yeah, email and tasks are just supporting the like the bigger work that we're doing. But yeah. Love that. Every little bit is, is meaningful. It's all supporting something. Cool. So I can kind of think back to a time in my life when I didn't care about productivity. Do you feel like there was a, a particular moment when you started caring about productivity or was that just kind of a natural flow for you? I kind of want to know when you didn't care about productivity. first. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can think about my life in high school and I, I was, I would just do things. I didn't really care when I would get them done. I was a perpetually late for school constantly. So productivity in my life was very different at that time. And I feel like for me, it wasn't until I was a couple of years into university when it really started to click for me. Okay, cool. A couple, I think it was like six years into university before it hit me. <laughs> Maybe that's why it took me six years to do my undergrad. <laughs> 
Did you though, for real, Mike, was there a turning point for you where you were like, oh, productivity is important now? Yeah. Um, when I realized, I think I probably learned it through football coaching where you're on the clock in a given week to get a number of steps of preparation done uh, to prepare a team to play an opponent, to just prepare yourself to be the best coach that you can be for your players to perform at their peak. And realizing that in that fixed period of time that we have every week, kind of like a sprint for seven days, and we're going to see the you know hard results at the end of it. Um, you know, there's no more tangible a field than athletics to actually understand how well you're doing in your work because it shows up on the scoreboard with lots of people watching and you feel it one way or the other. Um, so that, at that point, it's like, okay, time's limited. How do we make the most of it? And that's when I think the focus on productivity for me really started to quickly evolve. Hmm, interesting. Didn't know about your football background. Hmm. Yeah, it's everywhere, right? If we think about it, being efficient and producti productive is really in, in all parts of our life. Um, I mean, I think it's, we have to be careful and, and not always be creating and always being productive and being, you know, the I'm so busy syndrome and my mm -hmm. life is so, you know, full. I think that's really dangerous. Um, I think what's important is like sustainable productivity um, where it feels good. It feels balanced. You're not overperforming, but not underperforming, which means like you have to get to know yourself and and how many emails you can handle in a day and so on and so forth. But back to your question, Lisa, which was about when I started caring about productivity. Um, for me, I think it started young. I was very much like a keen like teacher's pet. Like I really recognize that when I do good work and it's on time, I get a sticker or I get something, right? So I learned that pretty quickly. And um, given the timing of back to school that we're in right now, it reminds me of where some of those habits started to form. I loved going to you know, Staples or Walmart or whatever to buy school supplies and then come home and organize them and put my name on them and just get everything all neatly lined up and ready to go. Uh, maybe there's something really like preparatory in that. Um, for me, it is really related to wellness. So um, being organized, productive, efficient helps me balance my stress, anxiety, and makes me feel like I have a bit more control on the on the present moment. So I think it started young for me. That's cool. Yeah. From a productivity and time management standpoint, what are some of the things you do to remain at the top of your work game? Yeah. Uh, the number one thing I would say is to consolidate what you have to do into one convenient place. Why? Because it reduces the risk for things falling through the cracks. So, you know, having things that you need to do on your phone, on your whiteboard at home, on a post-it, you're really not setting yourself up for success. You're asking your brain to work harder than it has to. We have these digital tools. Why not use an app that syncs to your laptop? I use uh, Google Tasks. And I put everything that I need to do in one place. So I mix personal and professional. I do that also in my calendar. That's another secret to efficiency and productivity. And also what I talked about earlier, Mike, around um, building trust and reliability with people. 
because having a calendar where you can put in the birthday party, the work deadline, um, the personal commitments, the self-care, it sets you up for success because everything is in one place. So calendar with all elements of your life and a task list, again, with all tasks across personal and professional. So you just um, don't have to spend so much mental energy remembering and worrying that you will forget. Yeah, those are my two main ones for sure. Love it. Yeah. I think the uh, long time ago now, it feels like maybe 10 years ago, I had a boss who told me the dullest pencil is sharper than the brightest mind. I think that's what it was. And it's really all about externalizing and getting things down, not forcing yourself to be using your working memory to run your life. I love that point. Yes. Okay, good. I'd never heard that one. It took me like a moment to process it. I was like, wait. Sam. The dullest the pencil yeah. sharper than a, than the brightest mind. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, I had to pull that one out of the back closet for sure in my head, but. Yeah. You thank you. That. I'll take that one with me because it's such a great um, analogy. And it's true. I'm always amazed when I see people like they have commitments and they have somewhere to be and it's not written anywhere. And I'm like. You can do that for a certain amount of responsibility, but as you grow as a human and as a business, um, there, you reach a tipping point. And that tipping point is like missing appointments, burning out, um, pretty much that, forgetting, right? Forgetting your commitments. So write it down. And I am very pro-digital, even though I think it's important not to have too much screen time. But your digital calendar and your digital task list, I find has so much more potential and power than something written down because it is collaborative. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can share my tasks with someone. I can share my appointments. I can invite them. I can link them to things. So again, I just think it's so much more um, efficient. And so mm -hmm. that's why I lean on it. Cool. Mm -hmm. You mentioned mental energy does and should your physical energy levels have an impact on your productivity? Oh, yes, 100%. And again, I think we're getting into the realm of self-awareness, which is where we spend a lot of time as coaches because it's different for everyone, but it's important to recognize your energy. And one thing that I encourage people to do is a little exercise you can do on a piece of paper. You make a graph. So basically you have a, a vertical line and that is your energy level from zero to 10. And then you make a horizontal line to complete the graph. And that is uh, the time of day or night. So you would start at midnight and then you would put a tick for 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m., do that all the way for 24 hours. And then you plot your energy level. And when I say energy level, I like to, to relate it to how creative or productive do you feel? So I, I don't know if you're following me here. I've never had mm -hmm. to this on audio, but I love this. Okay. So, um, for example, Lisa, when, um, if you were to start at, uh, midnight, when do you think your energy would start to increase your creative and productive energy? What would be your first tick where you're conscious? <laughs> where I'm conscious is around seven 30 in the morning. <laughs> cool. And like, if you had to assign a number to that zero to 10, how creative or productive do you feel at seven 30? <laughs> So anyone who knows me knows that I take like an hour to fully 
be a human being. So <laughs> I'd probably be around a one at that point. But <laughs> nice. I love the honesty and that's normal. Like it's not, I, I don't see people being like, you know, 6am zero and then like 7am <laughs> 10. Like there's just there's this process of waking up and tending to yourself. How about you, Mike? Um, maybe uh, I would ask you the question around what is your highest creativity in the day? So when is it at a 10? Yeah, I'd like to think it's probably in the ballpark of nine or 10 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I know I'm definitely troughing out somewhere in the afternoon, usually in the two or 3 p.m. range. And that's why it just feels like such a big difference. Like it really feels prominent to me in the morning. So I wanna say, yeah, I'll go with 10 a.m. Probably my my peak there. Nice, Lisa. Yes. How does that compare to you? So different. Yeah. My my peak is like 2 or 3 p.m. Huh. Yeah. No, I'm ready yeah. for a nap, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't typically have access to at that time. But uh, one day maybe. Yeah. How about you, Renee? Yeah, I would say I'm morning for sure. Like I wake up and I'm so jazzed from like seven to eight hours of sleep. I really prioritize sleep as a foundation mm. for productivity and creativity. So I'm a morning person too, then I would say. Uh, very creative, uh, definitely like nine o'clock, 10, 11, 12, you know, a little dip around 12, get some food and then I'm back up like one, two, three, and then evening I'll dip for sure. So when, you know, supper time approaches, um, I'm really starting to close down and, uh, I know some people who are most creative at night and it boggles mm -hmm. my mind, right? It's this, it feels so, uh, inaccessible for me. Yeah. I used to write papers at like midnight or even later because that was when I was my most creative, which was strange. And I find even now, like sometimes I'll get on a roll with something I'm creating in my business. And if I can start at 11 PM and go, I'll be up until middle of the night kind of thing. That's so fascinating. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally different style. Um, I mean, just around timing. I'd love to sleep and get up early and fresh. And both are perfect. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So That's a cool yeah. exercise. Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah, you bet. So I would encourage people to start, um, you know, always by looking inward, looking at themselves, mm -hmm. looking at what's going on currently. And then when you start to see um, like slumps, you can, you can think about how you can um, increase those. So, you know, you're mentioning like, oh, two, three o'clock, Mike, some people might grab a coffee. I find that dangerous, not dangerous. It's a little excessive, but I try not to caffeinate because I find it gets me out of my natural rhythm. It's kind of forcing. And so what I do is I try to do more preventative stuff, right? So like sleep and eat healthy and, and movement every day so that I don't need sort of stimulants to get me going. Um, but you could throw something in around that time, you know, I don't know if you have any thoughts about what energizes you naturally to like get you boosted. Yeah, if I can get some sort of midday errand in that often is helpful, like, like if I get outside and I'm moving and I'm doing something that's not a typical work related task. I mean, it might be related to my work, but it's a unique sort of environment changing event that kind of gets me to a new place mentally and kind of gets me in some ways almost excited to go back to what I was doing. Like it's, it's good to get that taken care of to your point around accomplishment and checking the box when it's done. Um, so that does happen. I'm starting to get somewhat serious about meditation. So, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm super serious yet, lightly serious, becoming more serious. Let's, let's put it that way. Um, but I think that might be one of the answers that I look to 
in the short term now to start to play with in those situations. Nice. Yeah. How about you, Lisa? Do you have a, a re-energizing practice? Yeah. So in the morning specifically, I find that movement is really important as well and drinking water too. So even if it's just a quick 10 minute yoga practice or taking my dog for a walk around the block, whatever that looks like, it definitely helps to wake me up. Yeah. Nice. It's good. Yeah. I recommend that people who are listening really lean into those um, because it's all connected. Like if you nurture yourself and you take a break from your emails, then you come back and then you're more efficient with your emails. So just that balance. Yeah. Totally. If there was one thing that you could say to someone who was completely, is feeling completely overwhelmed by everything that they had to get done in their life right now, what would it be? Two things, and they can be done at once. Um, the first one would be to write everything that you feel you need to do down, right? So this just echoes the point from earlier. Get it out of your head. Get the stress out of your body and off your shoulders onto paper. There's something uh, transformative about that. And then from there, um, prioritize it. So it's really important to chunk it out and to figure out what is important and urgent. So are people waiting on things? Does this need to be done in the order of ABC? Be thoughtful about what's first and then assign it to a day. Um, another thing to note down, and I almost forgot, which is really important, is write down how many hours you think it will take you to complete that task. I find things seem really big and overwhelming in our minds. And then when we assign an hour to it, it doesn't seem as uh, scary. So just noting down the task, the time commitment, and when you're going to do it. And then hide the rest. And then just look at one day at a time. I've been there. I've been in overwhelm where I felt like I had too much to do and I couldn't get it done. This exercise allowed me to step back into the present moment and feel capable of doing it one day at a time. The second thing that I didn't mention that you could do um, is to talk to someone, like to do this with the support of someone. So to soundboard or, or just connect with someone who is feeling organized and grounded and they will just support you with this exercise so that you walk away feeling like, okay, I can do this. You don't have to do that process alone. Very cool. Yeah. I like the idea of there being sort of community around that effort. I recently started to work with another person just um, where we log on to Zoom. We have a Zoom call that we start for an hour, 90 minutes. We'll probably work up to two hours or something like that eventually, but we're just there working away on things that we have to get done, knowing that the other person is there in case we wanted to run something by them or check in or just have some accountability at the end of that work period. And then you can, like you said, have, you have a time block that you can program for knowing that, oh, I, I have these 90 minutes coming up. Let me put that task that I know I can get done in that period right there and get it done with that person around. Oh, yes. I love it. Accountability is so powerful for some people. It is for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I'm just curious. Is it a peer? Is it a mentor? Like, how'd you choose this person? It's another coach. It's another coaching colleague of ours, actually. Um, and so we're both trying to build businesses and we're in different stages and working on different things, but we have an understanding of each other's journey and perspective. And I think that's, that's probably what helps that partnership kind of thrive in a, in the way that it has so far. It's a pretty new experiment, but it's worked really well so far. 
Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, I'm open to trying that. I have done it once or twice, of course, with a fellow coach and entrepreneur <laughs> who, you know, we often need that accountability and appreciate talking to like-minded people. But yeah, it's just having someone present is actually very impactful. Just having them sitting there, it just keeps you, you behave a little differently when you know someone's watching. That's <laughs> right. So true. Yeah. Yep. As much as we would like to, I think, ideally believe that we'll be the same when the lights are off, when the crowd is at home and not watching us, it's it's also kind of inhuman in some ways. Yeah, I would say uh, I, I strive for that level of authenticity, but there is still things that I won't do in a public realm. And uh, who knows, that might be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Awesome. So we have a back end of our show where we have a number of questions that we ask all of our guests. Mm. So what would you say is the most fun that you've had in your career so far? Yeah. I love these questions. I love things around fun. It's a big part of who I am. So thank you for asking it. And the first thing that came to mind was producing a flash mob. That was very fun to me. This is back when it was trendy. Remember when it was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. we were doing them left, right, and center. I'm guessing, you know, about whatever, 10 years ago, maybe a little less. And uh, I did a couple that year. One was for a, um, a Francophony event, so promoting um, French culture to, to youth who were learning French as a second language. But it was so fun because um, we got to, like, we were paid to, like, practice dancing. And, uh, and we had, like, this person, like, rap into a baguette because it was all about, like, <laughs> French culture. And we had, like, an original soundtrack. Someone had, a student had written... Um, lyrics to a to a, a very popular melody and made it all about speaking French so it was really creative it was really fun it was really expressive that was really special and the same year um, I helped produce a, um, a proposal a wedding proposal for uh, as a flash mob as well so that was a that was a fun year Whoa. that's awesome yeah. Yeah. can you just tell any of our listeners who don't know what a flash mob is what it is briefly so fair yeah great point so a flash mob is when um, participants, people who are at a space, either in a public space or in a private event, are not suspecting this. It is unplanned, but music will come on in some fashion, and then people in the crowd will start to dance. One, then two, then three, then four, and then you will start to see a, a, a group dance emerge unexpectedly. Yeah, there were like TV shows about this for a while and a lot of wedding proposals. Were, yeah, there's... One? were either of you ever in one? Witness one? I was uh, in one at a wedding. Yes. Nice. I was Mike? once like recruited into one and I don't think I actually, I'm not sure the, this was probably when it was, this was definitely when it was past its prime, this idea. It just wasn't embraced in the same way in that moment as it was maybe closer to 10 years ago. Yeah, I and hear I, you. I feel like I almost was there and the people around me were almost there, but the flash, the mob part of the flash never really emerged. Okay. <laughs> it was a little late. Yeah. Everything has its time, you know? There's some great YouTube videos though, if anybody wants totally. to go check that out. <laughs> so many, like so many. <laughs> Careful. That's not maybe the most like wise use of your time if we're talking about productivity, <laughs> but like, yeah, do a little bit, nurture yourself and then, you know, balance, balance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. The next question is around risk because a lot of people will take some sort of risk in their career. So what's the biggest risk that you've taken in your career and how did it turn out? 
Yeah, the biggest risk for me, I've mentioned already, which was uh, leaving my corporate job to go into entrepreneurship, creativity, spirituality. I'm still standing. So if I can do it, others can too. You have to be willing to face your fears. You have to be willing to cry. You have to be willing to do stuff you've never done before. Um, you have to be risky. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it because life is so much more engaging when you're doing stuff that, um, you know, comes from your heart and your purpose and um, takes advantage of, of you and all your gifts and your talents. So absolutely, that would be it. And the other mini version that I haven't mentioned uh, already would be, I would say the, the career change in university. So when I shifted from science to communication, which is not that risky, um, but uh, I went from being sort of anchored into the idea of being a pharmacist into realizing that there was a lot of ethical questions around pharmaceuticals that I had never known about. Mm -hmm. And that made me realize that um, maybe there's another way to health. And uh, I ended up going more into communication and, and a bit of business. So I think that was an important shift as well for me. Cool. Yeah. Very insightful. Mm -hmm. What's the best piece of career advice you've ever received? Ooh. So thus far, I'm confident I will receive more, like you mm -hmm. know, little snippets that you shared with me today. Uh, but the best one so far came from a student, so someone who was younger than me, which is pretty cool and pretty humbling. And it was something that had been passed on to them, naturally, is how this goes. And it was, okay, Renee, enough already, get it out. It was, don't let education get in the way of your learning. Mm. I thought that was so nice and it was so appropriate. It was very mind opening for me because it came from an academic, it came from a professor. It's someone who was very much in higher ed, mm -hmm. shared that with the student who shared it with me. And um, it's good, it motivates me because I don't have a background, I don't have a, a degree in business or entrepreneurship, although I took some classes, and I don't have a degree in fine arts either. But I am very much going on this self-taught journey, and with that comes a lot of imposter syndrome. But we have this thing called the internet, and it's like our closest thing to collective human intelligence. So I think if there's something that you really want to know and do, get online, be resourceful, like find something, watch a video, read an article, reach out to someone. Like there's no excuses. We have the internet. We can do so much. So lean in on that advice. Don't let education get in the way of your learning. Hmm. I love it. Yeah. It's a great quote and such a powerful insight on just yeah, the whole reality of the world being, or a lot of the world being available right at our fingertips if we want to do something with our brains. <laughs> There's a way of doing it. Yeah, it's just a different way. It's more self-directed. It's more like you looking for information and trusting that uh, what you gather is useful, credible, on spot, mm -hmm. uh, versus being in a situation where someone with authority and credibility and experience tells you the best practice. So it's just a little reversed, but not impossible. Mm -hmm. Cool. This has been a lot of fun, this conversation. Renee, can you tell our dear listener where they can find you? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I can be found uh, on my webpage, which is unity.ca, U-N-E-E-T-Y, so not the regular spelling. N-E-E stands for Nay, which is my nickname growing up, Renee. Mm. And, um, and I am a part of unity, right, of humanity and the planet, and I have a role to play. So that is the inspiration for the name. And I'm also on Instagram. So unity coaching creative, all one word with the fancy spelling. Cool. We'll put those into our show notes as well so people can find them pretty easily. But this has been a lot of fun. Appreciate your time and just a a fun career building conversation, which is what we're always gunning for on this show. I think we were really able to deliver with your energy on it. Oh, thanks, both of you. This was so lovely. And uh, yeah, seriously, so unique and needed because if you don't create these spaces for talking about things that seem small but are actually really impactful, then people are missing out and they're not getting this informal learning anywhere else. So thanks to both of you for your initiative. Our pleasure. We'll call it a week at that. For the Career Builders Podcast, I'm Mike Bird. I'm Lisa Plain. Renee Michaud, go and de-junk your world and have a productive life. Dear listener, we hope you're well and we hope you'll join us again soon. Bye for now. Peace.